Hi everyone, I'm Daniela and you're listening to the Mellow Moment Podcast. In today's episode, I talked to Josh Weissman from Flourish Veterinary Consulting about meaningful ways that pet parents can show vets that they care, and vice versa, how veterinarians can show the best level of care for their clients. If you want to dive into preparing for vet visits, digesting information, staying organized, and paving the way for a great next visit, listen to Josh's discussion about what goes on behind the scenes at veterinary clinics and how to make sure that you help your vet thrive. Hi everyone, I'm Daniela from Mella Pet Care, and today I'm joined by a very special guest for episode 80. This is Josh Weissman, and he is someone who is obsessed with work contributing to our sense of well-being. So if that isn't the coolest tagline, I don't know what is. I'm so excited to have Josh on today. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh gosh, Daniela, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, it's great. And so to start off, would you like to introduce yourself and give a little bit of personal background for the listeners? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So I feel like I should probably explain that tagline a little bit. Uh, I, I kind of have this crazy idea. You know, we spend so much of our time in and around work. So much of what we do as adults is uh, revolves around our careers and what we do for a living. For many of us, it, in many ways, it actually defines who we are. It's how we find our sense of worth and our sense of contribution. I feel like if something's going to be so central to our lives, it shouldn't be something we simply survive. I I feel like work shouldn't be something that we just sort of get through to get to the weekend kind of thing. Maybe work should actually be something that contributes to our sense of well-being. So I'm a little bit obsessed with that idea. The way that I bring that to life now, uh, I have a consulting firm called Flourish Veterinary Consulting, and uh, I combine a little over 20 years of experience in the veterinary space, working in a variety of roles in veterinary hospitals, uh, mostly in general, small animal practice, but some experience uh, in in other fields as well. I sort of, I combine that with a master's in applied positive psychology and coaching psychology and some education in some other areas as well to help veterinary leaders craft environments of workplace thriving where veterinary professionals can actually experience professional fulfillment in their work. That is such an amazing background and definitely a combination of both experience and education that I have never heard of. And I think it's <laughs> such, a, such a cool combination. And I agree. No, I mean, you should enjoy work. You should be able to, during work hours, get on a podcast like this and just have a fun conversation and yeah. have a good time instead of, you know, spend hours behind a spreadsheet or something you don't enjoy. Like, time to have fun. And so how was Flourish born and what is the mission there? Sure. Yeah. So Flourish was born of a personal experience in which I had exactly the opposite experience of what I am now currently obsessed with. Uh, So I, you might say was kind of uh, at the top of the hill uh, from the outside looking in the traditional kind of, uh, I guess, Western perspective on success. I was a small business owner. I had recently purchased into the second small animal hospital that I was a partner in. I was the managing partner. So I was the hospital director at this large successful practice and doing some consulting work with a colleague. I partnered up with a startup corporate group that was buying a bunch of veterinary hospitals. So, you know, it was from the outside looking in, it really was the pinnacle of success. 
which is ironic because it was in that point in my life when I really totally crashed and burned, like hit rock bottom, pretty epic level of burnout. And going through an experience like that, especially working in a profession that most of us think of veterinary medicine is like, come on. I mean, this is you're playing with puppies and kittens all day, right? Like this should be the kind of thing that really does bring joy. And finding myself kind of reaching that rock bottom of, uh, you know, pretty much depression level burnout in a field like that, it made me realize that you know, it can really happen to anyone, anywhere, anytime. And nobody deserves to feel that way. Nobody deserves to come away from work feeling depleted, obliterated, or destroyed. I mean, work really shouldn't be something that damages us. It should be something that helps contribute to a life well lived. And so that's the mission of Flourish now is to help veterinary organizations do just that, create those kinds of environments where people can really get something out of work and actually maybe leave the veterinary practice feeling a little bit better about themselves than they did when they first showed up. Yeah, for sure. You know, you're coming in with a very interesting perspective, right? Because one of those ways to make vets really enjoy their practice and enjoy their job is for pet parents or their clients to, to really just come in with a, a good mentality and like a yeah. positive attitude and sure, make sure. their lives a lot easier. And so this is a great little intersection here where we're talking to a pet parent audience and you yeah. work with vets. And so what do you think pet parents can really do to prepare in advance for their vet visit to make that visit a lot more enjoyable for everybody? Yeah. Um, I, I just want to say, Danielle, how much I so very much appreciate uh, you giving me the opportunity to speak to pet parents uh, coming from the veterinary side, because there's there's a there's a gap of perspective and understanding between sort of you know the 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 pet parent and the people who are providing the care in the veterinary hospital and of course there is because you don't you know as a pet parent you don't work in a veterinary practice you're coming to that hospital because you need those services nobody can expect you to understand what it's like to be on sort of the other side of the exam table just like i have no idea what the day-to-day -day experience of my auto mechanic is right in his job i just i go there when i need help and that's sort of the end of it. Uh, so there are definitely some things that as pet parents, we can do to make sure that that visit goes as well as possible for everybody involved. So that the, the veterinarian, the veterinary support team, the pet parent themselves, and, and that animal companion that they're trying to care for really get the best out of that visit. You know, I think one of the things that can help kind of close that gap Many of us think of veterinary medicine as the joy of caring for animals. And that is a big driver of people that come to this work. You know, many of us, we, I'm looking, you can't see her right now, but my cat is purring on the corner of my desk, just a few inches away from me. And I mean, this is what really brought me to this profession. I love all of our pets and animals. And I think that the animal world is a, a, a group of creatures that, you know, they can't share their voice and we need to be a voice for them. So that's what draws a lot of people to this profession. The irony of that is that we come to veterinary work to take care of animals, but every animal has a human being attached to them. And so we think of this as animal care, but in many ways, it's actually human interpersonal interaction. And so as a pet parent, you know, kind of just sort of having that in the back of our mind as we go into the vet hospital that many of these people came to this work because of the animals that I'm bringing to them and not, not necessarily because of the interactions they were going to have to have with me. 
And so, uh, you know, a, a little bit of um, patience and understanding, I think, can go a long way. I think that patience and understanding can also extend to just sort of uh, being maybe a bit more aware of the challenges that veterinary professionals face these days. Um, many of us, if we're not in the profession, won't know that there is a, a very big well-being challenge in our profession. Uh, we have, you know, the, the most commonly cited statistic is the uh, the prevalence of, uh, unfortunately, death by suicide in the veterinary profession. We see suicide rates, you know, between two and five times that of the general population, which tends to shock people. Like when you think of veterinary medicine as something like, come on, I mean, you really are around all these great animals all day. This should be people filled with joy, but it, it turns out it, it can be very, very challenging work. What I think is more important perhaps than that, or, uh, you know, something else to be aware of. Um, we have a glut of under uh, representation. We're a very under-resourced profession. Uh, we have very, very high turnover rates for a wide variety of reasons. This is not a profession that people come to to get wealthy. And so for many of our, you know, paraprofessional support staff, they're, they're not making a ton of money doing that work. It's entirely possible that the technician that is helping your veterinarian take care of your pet is actually making less than the person working at McDonald's at block down the road. Uh, and so there's financial struggle, there's the workload, there's the moral stress of the work that we do, knowing that we have the capacity and the capability to provide top-notch care, gold standard medicine to these animals, but there's a financial constraint of we can't always afford to provide that care. And so they're constantly juggling those dilemmas. Uh, we know some research suggests that we're gonna be under-resourced uh, in terms of number of veterinarians for pet care demand by 2030, we estimate that there's going to be 15,000 fewer veterinarians than we're going to need to meet the demands. So all these things combine to make it very stressful and very difficult work. I think if pet parents can sort of keep that top of mind as they walk into the hospital uh, and maybe offer just a tiny bit of grace and uh, uh, understanding to the pet care team, I think that will go a long way in making those visits a lot more productive. I think those are such awesome tips. I mean, you touched on a lot of different aspects that are so true. I mean, I know a lot of people growing up who wanted to become a vet to get away from humans. <laughs> and then you, when you grow up, you realize that most of it is human to human contact yeah. because the pets yeah. can't talk for themselves. So you have to talk to the pet parents to figure out what's going on. And then on the other side of things, there are a lot of pet parents who don't realize the high levels of suicide and burnout in the veterinary industry, because like, as you mentioned, they assume that if you're surrounded by fluffy bunnies all day, yeah. you have to be happy. Like, how could you right. not Right. And so like this is it's such, just such a good way to open up this conversation so that people understand that and yeah. that pet parents realize that those 30 minutes or 45 minutes that they're spending with their vet, it's crucial to you know, be nice and be patient. And yes, definitely. And so kind of continuing on that trend, um, once a pet parent is at the vet, how can they really show their vet that they care and kind of make for a meaningful and, you know, we can't say perfectly flawless, but as, of course. as close to flawless of an experience as possible. You know, it's interesting. Um, some of the work that I've gotten to do now in, in this 
side of the profession, some of the research that we've conducted and interviews and conversations that we've had is while veterinary professionals do come to this work mostly because of the animals, actually many of them are very much driven by the relationships that they have with the pet parents themselves. And uh, an expression of that relationship can really go a huge length in uh, uplifting uh, you know, the well-being and uh, job satisfaction and, and all of those kinds of things of the, of the uh, pet care team themselves. So I think one of the greatest things that a client can do is, is honestly just the simplicity of thank you. Uh, recognizing the efforts and the time and the energy and the care that the team has put in to taking care of their pet and um, showing even just tiny, tiny bits of gratitude. Uh, it, it goes an incredibly long way. I, I have a colleague and a good friend of mine, his name is Zach Mercurio. Zach uh, does a lot of research on, on the experience of meaningfulness uh, in, in the workplace. And, you know, we think of veterinary medicine as an incredibly meaningful career, and it really is. It's a very purpose-driven kind of work, but purposeful work can become mundane when you do it each and every day, all day long, and we don't actually get to see the impact of the work that we have. Meaningfulness is like purpose activated. And we know that to experience meaningfulness, we, we need to see that something we've done, some interaction, some action, some decision, some behavior that we've put out into the world, to us, it feels like that thing was positive, purposeful, and significant, that I, I made an impact. Pet parents have an unbelievable opportunity in just the tiniest, simplest little ways to say to a veterinarian, to a vet tech, to a receptionist, to a kennel attendant, hey, you know what? You've made a difference in my life and here's how. 10 seconds, eons and eons of benefit. Yeah, no, and you make such a good point. And I love that because like when I worked at a vet clinic, I remember that the pet parents were just in a rush to get in and out. Sure. They would come in, you know, they were already stressed out because there were already so many animals in the lobby and they would go, okay, get me into the exam room. And then yep. once they got to the exam room, they'd sit there, they'd stare at the clock. They'd be like, yeah. Get me out what of the yeah, room. Yeah. Uh, back to the lobby. Okay, please take my payment information as fast as possible. Get me out of here. And yeah. it, they were already like, they were just always so stressed, so high energy. Sure. And that like, just, I think that's such a great tip. Just slowing down, saying thank you and moving on like that is just, it makes all a world of difference. Huge I think that's awesome. You know, it's, I, I think about those kinds of experiences and I've been in those shoes too. I mean, we have pets and we, we take our pets to, you know, local veterinarians and, right. and we have those experiences of going in and, and it's a bit harried in the lobby. And then they, you know, you, you finally make it into an exam room and then you, you kind of sit there and you wait and you don't really know how long you're going to be waiting. What's interesting to think about now being on both sides of the coin is that, you know, I think about how how the lengths to which veterinary teams go to sort of insulate, maybe protect uh, pet parents from all of the different things that are happening in the hospital so that it really is just about them and their pet. And what we often don't realize is there's, there's quite a bit of whiplash that happens on an emotional and psychological level working just any old day in a general practice. I have personally had experiences like this more times than I'd like to admit, where you know you're you're sitting for an hour with a family 
who is saying goodbye to their dog that they've had for 15 years and you were part of their care when they adopted that puppy. And so you've, you've also been a part of this animal's entire life trajectory. And now you're sitting in them with a room and as peacefully and with as much dignity as possible, helping them say goodbye to this animal with peace. And then you have to get up and go to the next exam room where a client has their brand new puppy and you have to put on that level of excitement and enthusiasm for them because they deserve it. And, and, and it is, it's real. Like this is an exciting time in their life. Shifting between those kinds of things without forcing or pushing that kind of energy on the pet parent themselves, that takes a, a great deal of emotional labor. And so there, there is a lot of that happening behind the scenes that we, do, we just don't get to see. And so, yeah, so showing just a tiny bit of gratitude, like, oh my gosh, you know, when you came in and you were so excited to see my puppy, it made me even more excited. Thank you for doing that. Can really go a long way to helping the team and helping the whole visit go better. Yeah, no, it's such a good point because it's true. As a pet parent sitting in one exam room, you have no idea what's going on in the exam room to your left or right. And so yeah. it could just be like, very different emotions going on in each exam room. Yeah. And so we've kind of gone through this whole process, right? It's like, okay, how can you prepare for the vet visit? Um, how can you show gratitude when you're like during the vet visit? And now how about after the vet visit? What can pet parents do to not only digest the information they've learned, but stay organized and prepare for the great next visit? Uh, that that's a great question. I think that you know um, you are our you are the veterinary professional's resource into the life and uh, voice of your pet. And so being an advocate for your pet, I think is a very, very helpful thing to do. Uh, you know, oftentimes these visits, uh, we're trying to collect a year's worth of information in a half hour's time. Uh, and so you know anything that that the pet parent can do to be aware of, uh, changes, uh, what things seem to be uh, having an impact versus not, um, certainly asking questions, uh, you know, collecting all of that information in between visits and, and being able to come in ready to, you know, these are the things that I think we should discuss. Uh, these are the things that I've noticed. Um, that level of preparation can also help a lot in between visits as well. And, you know, certainly <laughs> i I'm sure that there's going to be a lot of people in my profession who may take umbrage with this uh, advice, but I, I am an advocate for being a continued advocate for your pet parent. And I think that, you know, finding times, not just waiting for that next visit, uh, but, you know, reaching out in between and you know, sending an email, especially now, now we've got all of these platforms to communicate with our veterinarian, you know, on apps and text message and, you know, online at two in the morning, sending a message, those kinds of things like do that. Take advantage of those. Keep us informed in between the visits as well so that we can be there to support you when you need us. Yeah, those are fantastic tips. And, you know, as the world gets busier and busier, pet parents definitely appreciate that too. I mean, I remember when my family dog was getting ready for his like next round of vaccines, um, the vet would always send a postcard in the yeah. mail. And that was just like such an easy extra way to stay on top of things, stay organized. It was just like such a nice gesture because sometimes you just forget life gets ahead of you. And like yeah. one extra thing to remember is difficult. And so it's just so great when everybody works together and helps each other out. That's fantastic. Agreed. Agreed. So you work with vets, right? This is what you do. What do you 
what do they wish they could tell their clients? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think a lot of the things that we've talked about already. Um, I think that, I think it's unfair to expect the general public to have a deep, uh, you know, vivid understanding of our day-to-day experience as a veterinary professional in a veterinary hospital setting. That it would be unfair to ask of that, to ask that. But I, but I think that a lot of veterinary professionals wish that they could sort of pull up the veil a bit and and allow people to kind of glance behind the scenes and see what their day-to-day experience is. I can tell you, I you know, in 25 years of working in this profession, Daniela, and working in hospitals, working alongside different practices, getting to meet veterinary professionals all over the world, I really honestly can count on one hand how many times I've met somebody in this profession who isn't a good human being doing the very best they can each and every day to take the best possible care of their clients and pets. Everybody in this profession really does want the best for their clients and for uh, the pet, the animals that those clients are attached to. And I think if everybody in the public could, could really hear that and believe that, I think that would change a lot for everybody. Yeah, no, I think that's fantastic and definitely true. And, you know, you've been working in this industry for, as you said, 25 years, and you've definitely seen an evolution of vet care and like how pet parents now act uh, when they go to the vet clinic. Maybe that's different as well. So what does the future have in store for you and Flourish? Where do you see yourself expanding and growing? Yeah, so uh, in our profession, especially over the last five years or so, and certainly since the uh, you know onset of the COVID pandemic, uh, talk around burnout and workplace uh, mental health has been really, really top of mind in the veterinary profession. There's a lot of people doing a lot of work to try and, you know, what can we do to prevent burnout? What can we do to prevent mental health uh, issues? What can we do to make this a profession that people actually will recommend to other people? What we're trying to do is we're trying to add to that uh, as once we eliminate all of those problems, or even if we don't eliminate all of those things, what are things that we can add? What are nutrients that we can add to the garden of the veterinary profession that actually might make people people experience more thriving and well-being, even though the work is hard, even though what we do is challenging and difficult. And so, so that's really what the future holds for Flourish. We're, we're conducting some research right now to try and identify what are some of the behaviors and actions that people in leadership positions in the veterinary community can, can, can do, can adopt and apply in their environments that might actually contribute to higher levels of professional well-being, higher levels of job satisfaction, uh, and people's, uh, you know, intention to actually stay in the profession and recommend it to others. So that that's really what we're trying to, uh, to work on. Yeah, you have such an exciting future ahead of you. I know that. That's one of my favorite questions because I love to see the evolution and where you've come from, but now it's looking into the future and that's even more exciting. <laughs> And so now we're actually at the perfect time to answer the Mela signature question. Now, I wish I could say that 79 other people have answered this, but that's not true. (laughs) I I can't do the quick math. I have no idea when I started this. Let's say 50 other people have answered this question. Regardless, a lot of other people with such a diverse array of ideas and perspectives. And so 
what does pet health and wellness mean to you in today's day and age? Yeah, that's great. So we know that there is a significant uh, link between the relationship that we have with the animals in our lives and our own sense of health and wellness and well-being. Um, so for me, pet health and wellness is very much about that bond, the supporting, celebrating, enhancing the bond that we have with the creatures around us, because they do have so much potential to contribute to our lives and uh, you know, such beautiful and wondrous ways and vice versa. We have an opportunity to do the same for them. And so, so it, it, it's very much around that idea of um, the bond that we share uh, and the benefits of that relationship. Yeah, I think that's a fantastic answer. And so as we're wrapping up this, unfortunately, very short podcast, I know that every listener wants to know how to keep up to date with Flourish, uh, wants to sit in a chair like mine and be on Zoom with you, maybe even get to the point where they're talking to you and you have a background of all of your aquariums, the wall, <laughs> which is a, just in a planting an idea in your head. I don't know if I like it. Would listen to you at that point. They would be, that's, that's so cool. But anyway, for those who want to keep up to date with you, who want to stay involved, um, how can they do that? Sure. So our website is flourish.vet, F-L-O-U-R-I-S-H dot V-E-T. Uh, I'm also very active on LinkedIn. And so I, you know, I post a lot about the things that we do on LinkedIn. Personally, uh, we as an organization are active on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn. Uh, those are all great places to find us. Awesome. Well, Josh, thank you so much for joining me. It's been a great chat. Thanks, Daniela. It's been a pleasure. Thank you all for listening and make sure to check out the episode description for all links to everything mentioned today. Head over to www.mela.ai to learn more about what's happening over at Mela Pet Care and for more ways to keep your pet happy and healthy. And finally, come back next week to hear Dr. Sydney Pocard talk about holiday pet safety.